Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. It's good seeing y'all today. And those who are joining us online, we're glad that you've joined us today. Uh, We're still doing our series in Acts. And today we're going to try to get through Acts 6 and 7. But uh, we're going to actually talk about the very first Christian martyr, the very first one to ever happen, and there have been many since then. You know, we have Christian martyrs happening all the time throughout our world in in areas where it's very dangerous to be a Christian. But this first guy, one of the things we're going to learn about him real quick, he was a very ordinary, just a regular guy, nothing special about him just an average individual. He wasn't an apostle. He was not a church leader. He was just a guy with a servant heart. He just didn't make it about him. In fact, that's the key principle that we're going to see about his life. It's not about me. Now, the context, as we've been talking about, the church started growing very quickly. And now, in this part of the book of Acts, one in four people, in the city of Jerusalem have become believers, a fourth of the population. So this is a huge movement that's happening. And now, you know, from where we sit, we know that it spread throughout the entire world from there. And so the question is, why was it growing like that? There was a professor, there's a professor, a history professor at Yale, and here was his observation. He said, never in so short a time has any other religious faith or for that matter, any other set of ideas, religious, political, or economic, ever achieve so commanding a position in such an important culture without the aid of physical force, social, or cultural prestige. So basically he said, you can't explain it. It's amazing how this church grew. And so why? What makes that different? Stephen had that principle that he lived by, and it's the principle that sets us apart, or should always set us apart. And that principle was for Stephen, it's not about me. And I want to tell you, that's something I love about Gateway. We have so many Stevens in this church, and we've got a lot of Stevenettes in this church. And I'm thankful for every one of you. Uh, I'm thankful for those of you who just step up when you see something that needs to be done and you're just looking for ways to serve. I appreciate that. And the church benefits from it and the community benefits from it. And, and I just love that attitude about our fellowship. So let's start reading. Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. It was only a matter of time, right? I mean, you know, we say about Baptists, you get two Baptists together, you're going to have three opinions. And uh, so you get a, you get a group of people together, especially this many, over 10,000 people, there are going to be some problems. So this is not a surprise. Rumblings of discontent. The Greek speaking believers, those were the non-Jewish ones. The, um, <clears throat> they were more the Gentile people complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. That would have been those who came from the Jewish faith, saying that their widows were being discriminated against 
in the daily distribution of food. Now, this is why they, uh, basically, it was a, a ministry that they had to meet, meet the needs of widows, because you take someone whose husband had passed away in that culture, it was not easy for them to survive because they didn't have a lot of different opportunities to make money. And so, especially if it was an elderly individual whose husband died, they had to totally rely on other people to survive. And so they stepped up to the plate and they were being ministered to. But now the Greek, the Greek believers were saying, hey, you're showing favoritism and our widows are not being cared for. So this is a, this is a pretty serious and a dangerous problem. And there was an edge to it because basically they made it an ethnic issue, a racial issue. And we know today how touchy it and how difficult the whole racial issues can be. And so there was no different back then. And so not only were they talking about widows, they brought the whole race thing into it. And, and they were saying, this is, this is a problem. And so the text says that the Greek speaking complained about the Hebrew speaking. In other words, they assumed their motives, they assumed, the Greek-speaking ones assumed that the Hebrew-speaking ones were just racially biased. They made that assumption. Now, why would they do that? Well, because that's been a normal problem in the, in the culture, just like sometimes in our culture. They just assumed, well, you just are biased towards us because we're different. We're from a different place. And secondly, that was a problem. They never brought it to the apostles. They talked about it in the courtyards. You know, and sometimes that can happen in a church where the hall talk starts to uh, happening. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes a word will get to me about an issue in the church. And when I ask us, well, when did this happen? Oh, that was about two months ago. I'm saying, well, why am I just now finding out about it? Well, because we didn't know about it. And, you know, there's a problem with that because how can we deal with an issue if I don't even know about it? And so the apostles were like, hey, we didn't know this was happening. We're going to deal with this. We'll, we'll take care of it. So here's what I want you to see. Basically, they were complaining and they were saying, we know you don't care about us. We know you got a problem with us. And that was not true at all. So the church had already gone under some tax. In Acts chapter 4, they, the government came after them and was persecuting them. In Acts chapter 5, uh, they had some uh, embezzling going on by withholding uh, uh, some funds. Uh, in chapter, chap, uh, chapter 6, now we have a, an attack of the spirit of grumbling or discontent, or backstabbing, or distrust. And of all the things that have happened up till now, this is the most serious one. See, the other ones were happening outside. This one's happening in their midst. And so it was very, in fact, that's a problem even in a church today. I mean, it, I, I've seen churches just fall apart because they implode. They start attacking each other. So I, I remember when uh, Gateway Pulpit Committee 
approached me about coming to Gateway some 28, 29 years ago. And I asked a question. I said, tell me how Gateway started. You'd be amazed at how many churches have started because of splits. Maybe you wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you can have one strong church that has a problem and they don't deal with it right. And so then they split and then you got two smaller, weak churches. And so I wanted to know how, how did Gateway start? Well, they told me that Eau Claire Baptist Church downtown planted Gateway. Uh, they saw the need out here and there were not very many churches here and they intentionally planted Gateway. Well, that got me excited because it wasn't from a church split. You know, that was a blessing. And so that's, that meant a lot to me. That was important to me. So I'm thankful for that. But here's, here's what we're going to start getting to. When you speak evil of another believer and you judge their motives, even though you don't know what they are, you think you may know their heart, but do you really? When you speak evil and you judge, and motive, uh, uh, judge their motives, the reality is you're being used by Satan. You're not being used by God because that's not how God does business. In fact, I think some two good rules of life to have in your, in your life. One, give people the benefit of the doubt about their motives. Until you actually know what their motives are, you need to give them the benefit of doubt. Secondly, when you know there's a problem, go to the source. Go to the source. Because if you go to everybody else instead of the source, then you're spreading discontent or mistrust about something you don't even have all the facts about. For example... You hear something, you just made the assumption it was true, and you started repeating that to other people, and then all of a sudden you found out what you told was not what you were told was not true at all. And you'll say, Oh, well, I'm glad that wasn't true. Do you rush as quickly to go back and tell every person that you told, hey, guess what? What I told you wasn't true. If you don't, then that lie just continues on and has a huge impact on people. So be careful about that. So now here's the church leadership responding in verse two. So the 12, that's the apostles, called a meeting of all the believers. 10,000 people are at this meeting. Imagine that. No speaker system. No PowerPoints or video screens. I mean, 10,000 people gathered for this church meeting. And here's what they said. We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them the responsibility so they will give them the means to do it. We'll give them the authority to do it. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. And so they chose a group of guys. They chose seven people. 
Now, here, here's what I want you to be clear about. Don't hear them say, the apostles, this is beneath us. We're too good for this. We can't get our hands dirty. No, no, that's not what they were saying. You remember their leader who taught them, his name was Jesus. He washed their feet. I mean, their stinking nasty feet. You see, that was the lowest job a servant could have in a household would be the person when guests were coming in who would greet people at the door and then wash their feet because their feet were hot and dusty from walking in the dirt and all this stuff. And so they, they would clean their feet. And Jesus did that. So he set the example, hey, there's no job too you're not good enough for any job here. I mean, you can't ever say I'm too good for that. That's not what's going to happen. But basically, these apostles had been the ones doing the serving. They were the ones who were leading the food program. And they were doing it among the ones that they knew because they knew they're the ones that had the issues. And they were taking care of the widows because they didn't know about the others. And so now they're saying, I tell you what. We've gotten so big, we've accidentally left out some people. It was not our intention to do that. We just were unaware. And now you've brought it to our attention, so we're going to do something about it. And we can't do it. So we need seven people to step forward, and we're going to give that ministry to them so that we can focus on what God's told us to do. And here, here's the key of what they're saying. Focus on what your spiritual gifts are and use those spiritual gifts to minister to other people in the church. That's exactly what they were doing. So they weren't, they weren't saying, we're too good for this. They were saying, we need, we need leaders to handle this. And Stephen was one of those guys who said, it's not about me. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. So in verse 6. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. Uh, let's stop there just for a second. These guys were just going to feed people. And they had a prayer service for that. And they laid hands on them for that. Absolutely. Because here's why. Not only were they feeding the widows who were believers, they were feeding the widows in the community. They started a food program that included anybody who needed to be fed. And that's why they said they prayed and laid hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. Then it says the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. Oh my goodness. They, the apostles were saying, hey, we've just been taking care of our own here, but we need to go beyond that. If our people have this problem, then we need to see who else in the community has this problem, and we need to step up to the plate. So these guys weren't just going to run a kitchen. They were going to have a ministry. And anytime you do ministry, well... You need prayers and you need the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's something we, know, we probably need to practice more often here. I mean, you know, pray and lay hands on people about the different jobs they're going to take on, their different gifts they're going to take on. 
I mean, pray for the one, pray for those individuals who work with the babies and change their diapers and feed them. You know, lay hands on them before they change the diapers and um, pray for them because they get to minister to the parents as they're ministering to their, their babies. I mean, all the different ministries, they began to see that this is a way to reach the community. They already had a fourth of the population was a member of the church. And then the Bible says, and they continued to increase greatly. Who knows what they got to? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. And then the last phrase in verse seven, it says, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. That's huge. And here's why. Those priests, they were the same guys who went after Jesus. They're the same guys who talked Pontius Pilate into crucifying Jesus. Jesus' blood was on their hands. These are the same guys that were trying to stop the apostles. So what changed? Well, one of the jobs of a priest in the Old Testament was to take care of the poor and to feed the poor. That was one of their jobs. And so these priests started watching these ordinary people like Stephen feeding not just their own poor people and their own widows, but feeding the ones in the community. And they started realizing these guys are acting like priests. They're doing priestly things by feeding the poor. And that got their attention. And they started to realize, hey, they're not trying to overthrow us. They're not trying to overthrow the government. They're, they're just serving God like we're trying to. Maybe we need to reconsider, reconsider who Jesus really is. And many of these priests became believers. Then verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Wow. Remember I told you what signs were? It was those outward expressions of things that would just show the power of God. And so these guys, maybe they were going into the homes of widows who were not a part of the church. And they were saying, hey, we've brought you some food. We understand you were without food and we wanted to bring you some. And maybe they came across somebody who was really sick or had some sort of ailment and through the power of the Holy Spirit, they prayed over that person and they were healed. Who knows what was happening? But what was happening, the end result, people were getting saved because they were seeing lives being changed. And that's what happens when you use your spiritual gifts. Now, all these conversions, they uh, caused an uproar. All these people getting saved. I mean, the same leaders who told Peter and John, you guys need to quit preaching. Now it's really getting bad. So they get Stephen and bring him. And Stephen, ordinary guy, just filled with the Holy Spirit, 
Nothing special about him other than he has the Holy Spirit. And so this ordinary guy, he preaches the longest sermon recorded in the book of Acts. And he told him like it was. And, and so he preached this sermon and basically said two things. Israel, you have always resisted the prophets that God has sent to you. You always have done that. And number two, your law cannot save you. Wow. He told the truth. And so then he ends his sermon with these words down in verse 51. He gives great words of encouragement here. You stubborn people. <laughs> you are heathen at heart. Outwardly, you may be doing these right things, but in your heart, you're a heathen and you are deaf to the, to the truth. Now, the reason he knew this was because the Holy Spirit was preaching through him. So this wasn't Stephen preaching. This was the Holy Spirit preaching. That's why he was able to judge their heart. He said, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. Go ahead, I, I'm, I'm waiting. Just tell me one. And they couldn't, because there were none. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and whom you murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Now, these Jewish leaders, maybe, I mean, there's a lot of anger that's been built up in them. For example, some of their own have been saved now. A lot of the other priests have been saved now. And it's hitting home. And over a fourth of the population are following these guys now. They were losing control and losing it quickly. And they couldn't even control their own, their own group of people. And so the Bible says the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, even though they were true. And they shook their fist at, at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, now this is, this is important. He gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. This is massive. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he said to them, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. I, I mean, they didn't see it, but he saw it because something big was about to happen. And here again, these, these priests, you got to remember, their crowd, there's the one that kind of took care of the temple and they rotated in taking care of the temple. And only once a year could the high priest, after a special ceremony, could even go into where God's glory was in the Holy of Holies. And so here's this ordinary common guy and he's saying he sees Jesus and he sees the father and he sees the glory of God. They couldn't handle it. They flipped out. 
And it says, they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned him and Stephen prayed. Listen to this prayer. This is, this, this is just an ordinary guy. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. When's the last time we heard that phrase? When Jesus was on the cross. And he said to God the Father, I give you my spirit. And then he says, he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. When's the last time we heard that? On the cross. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Man, Stephen was becoming just like Jesus. The closer he was getting to heaven, the more he was becoming like Jesus. And now he was about to be taken straight into God's glory. And he's talking just like Jesus. Wow. An ordinary guy who made a massive difference. And his only job was to feed poor widows. And look at what God did with him. Well, let me just give you a couple of life lessons about Stephen that we can apply. You know, the core of the Christian commitment is simply this, serving. That's the core of our commitment, is simply serving. Stephen is introduced to us as a servant. His job was not glorious. He was waiting on tables for widows. And he said, it's not about me. And then he was filled with God's spirit. And God's spirit did amazing things through Stephen. So is your core of your commitment about serving? You know, even the Roman emperor Julian who was one of the worst persecutors of all the emperors. He was actually one of the worst persecutors of the Christian church. And here's what he said in disgust about the Christians. He said, these infernal Galileans, that was his reference to these Christians, feed our poor in addition to their own. Did you get what? Here's this wicked emperor, and he was like the worst one guy going after the Christians when he admitted his own community was benefiting from them. Hmm. You see, it really is the church's job to take care of the poor, not so much the government. The church needs to be stepping up on this. And... This emperor said, these guys are even taking care of our poor better than we are. Secondly, the word of God supersedes everything. Everything. 
In chapter 7, Stephen, when he preached that longest recorded sermon in Acts, where did he get all that knowledge from? He, he got it from the word. He heard the apostles teach it. And he was so in love with Jesus, he wanted to talk like Jesus when it came to his death. And he did. Stephen was devoted to the word of God. So I want to ask you a question. Have you devoted yourself to the word of God? I think one of the reasons why they saw a lot of things happen in the, and the increase in the church when these guys started waiting tables and feeding the poor, my guess is they were talking at the same time. As they were waiting on the tables, maybe they were saying things, hey, let me tell you what I learned in Bible study today. It's amazing. Let me tell you what I learned from the apostles today. You're going to want to hear this. And they just were teaching Jesus everywhere they went. And people, and you know, the Bible says, and Jesus said this. He said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to me. So when you lift up Jesus with your life, God will draw people to Jesus. And that's what Stephen did. He lifted up Jesus everywhere he went. Even at his death, he was lifting up Jesus. The third lesson, God loves to work through ordinary people. So if you say, oh, I'm nobody special, I don't really have any good skill sets, you're perfect for the job. So I, I wonder, there's a verse in the book of John that has always bothered me. Jesus said this. These were his words. I, this is 14, 12, John chapter 14. I tell you the truth, this is Jesus talking. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. And when I read that, I want to go, oh, let's see. Jesus raised people from the dead. I hadn't been able to do that yet. He, I mean, he, he walked on water. He, he fed 5,000 people with just a bag of donuts. Oh, no, bread and fish. Yeah, that's what he had. I, I mean, he, he fed all these people. He did these. And he says, I can do greater things than that. Well, the answer is yes. Let me tell you how. You know what the greatest miracle is? The greatest miracle is every time someone says yes to Jesus. And why is that the greatest miracle? Because it changes their eternal soul. It changes their eternal destiny. Well, what's bigger than that? What's greater than that? And so every time you share about Jesus with your life like Stephen did and people respond to that, that was, that's the biggest miracle ever. You see, the people that were raised from the dead in the New Testament, they would have to die again. But when you and I raise people from the dead, spiritual dead, they live forever, eternally. 
And you and I get to do that by sharing the love of Jesus. How amazing is that? Well, one last truth and we'll be done. Christians are a contradiction to the world. Stephen was a contradiction to everybody. It makes no sense what Stephen did to the world. I pray that you live a life in such a way that you're just a constant contradiction. Stephen spoke with grace and Stephen spoke the truth. Stephen died to himself so that Jesus could live through him. So I, I want to ask you are, you, are you willing to let God take the circumstances you're in right now and say, God, if you can bring glory to your name through my sickness, through my adversity, through my situation, have at it. Because God, it's not about me. If you can bring glory to your name with what I'm going through, please, because it's not about me. I want to pray that for you right now, that you get to that place that you know it's not about you and that you get to perform the greatest miracle that it, there is by sharing Jesus with someone else. Let's pray.